Well, good morning and happy Thursday to you. It is May 11th. You're listening to Covenant Network Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you this morning. But you knew that already. You know that every morning. Let's pray to begin our time together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we have quite a bit to get to on the show today. For our radio listeners, we've got a homily from Father Hollowell called Upon This Rock. It's about our need to stop trying to figure out God's plan. God's got a plan and God's God. We don't always have to know it. More on that later. And then we also have a homily on ritual purity from Father Schumacher. I look forward to telling you what that's about. Joni Hasser is going to be with us. She's bringing a friend to talk about spiritual motherhood for priests. As we get ready for Mother's Day, we've already talked about spiritual motherhood this week. We're going to take that a step further. And then I was on the road earlier this week, and we've got two interviews from our time on the road. One with James Bach, who is a layman studying canon law in the Diocese of Springfield. What does that have to do with helping us grow in holiness? Well, I just going to tell you, stay tuned to figure that one out because it's actually, uh, there's a lot that it has to say. And then also earlier this week, you know, we were telling you all about this live broadcast we did. Um, I, well, I guess when we were telling you about it, we kept saying, tune in, tune in, tune in. Well, we had this live broadcast on Monday from Peoria for Fulton Sheen's birthday, Venerable Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton Sheen's birthday. And we had a chance to sit down with uh, Bishop Tilka from the Diocese of Peoria. And I want to bring you part of that conversation as well today. I think there's some lessons from Fulton Sheen that we could learn from Archbishop Sheen, that is. So that's all ahead, but let's first go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Ignatius of Laconi. Born in Italy at the beginning of the 18th century, his baptismal name was Francesco Ignacio Vincenzo, and his parents, Anna and Mattia, were poor farmers. He worked the fields with his parents, but when he was 17, he had an illness that nearly took his life. While he was sick, he made a promise to commit his life to the Lord, but after recovering, put that promise on hold at the request of his father, who still needed help in the fields. However, three years later, he had a serious accident while riding a horse and renewed his promise to the Lord, fulfilling it by joining the Capuchin Friars. Taking the name Ignatius, he became well known for his modesty and his humility. He was appointed the official beggar for the Capuchins, and that was a role he held for four decades. While he was going about seeking alms, Ignatius would also teach poor children when he encountered them, and he would also visit the sick. He died on this day in 1781. St. Ignatius of Laconi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer to our guardian angel. 
O holy angel, attendant of my wretched soul and of mine afflicted life, forsake me not a sinner, neither depart from me for mine inconstancy. Give no place to the evil demon to subdue me with the oppression of this mortal body, but take me by my wretched and outstretched hand and lead me in the way of salvation. Yea, O holy angel of God, the guardian and protector of my hapless soul and body, forgive me all things whatsoever wherewith I have troubled thee all the days of my life. And if I have sinned in anything this day, shelter me in this present night and keep me from every affront of the enemy lest I anger God by any sin, and intercede with the Lord in my behalf, that he might strengthen me in the fear of him, and make me a worthy servant of his goodness. Amen. Well, this week on the show, we have mentioned a couple of important things. Uh, We've mentioned vocations. We've talked about the number of men that are being ordained right now for both the transitional diaconate and the priesthood. And we have talked about getting ready for Mother's Day. We've talked about spiritual motherhood. In this next piece of the show here, all of those things are going to come together because we are talking about spiritual motherhood for the sanctification of priests. And we've got with us Joni Hasser and Gloria Del Rosario. Did I get that right? I do. Good, good. Um, I I had it written down and then I just glanced and it wasn't there. But we're so glad to have both of you with us this morning. So in brief, when we talk about this, we've talked earlier this week about those uh, women who may not have children of their own, but they have taken on that role of spiritual mother for someone. What is this about, the spiritual motherhood for the sanctification of priests? Well, this is about the importance of our priests being holy, that the church needs holy priests, and Mother Mary is our number one intercessor, and she invites women with our maternal hearts to carry priests within our hearts, to unite our souls with theirs. Actually, it's the the Lord who unites their souls with ours, and to carry them with us, and to receive from our Lord, and to pass that on to them. Oh, that is beautiful. Now, one of the things, every time I hear something like this on another radio show, so I try to be cognizant of it on our show, is that is absolutely incredible. But how do I do it? You know, And, and luckily, you brought with you all sorts of instructions that are available, uh, so you don't even feel like you have to write all of this down. You, you just need to know stlspiritualmotherhoodforpriests.com, where you can find all of these great steps. But what do you do when you pray for priests? Well... First of all, to distinguish ourselves from the others whom you've already interviewed, such as the religious sisters and the consecrated virgins. I I heard those interviews. Beautiful. Um, We say that women in any state of life can be spiritual mothers for priests according to the way we're um, trying to promote, and that's a vocation within your existing vocation. So it is for married women. It is for single women. It is for consecrated women. Um, and it's a way to uh, spiritually adopt a priest, whether you know his name or it's an anonymous priest, which is what we do with our apostolate. But we spiritually adopt them. We offer our daily prayers, works, joys, and sufferings, everything for their sanctification, for their protection, for their strengthening, for their encouragement, whether they know it or not. You, you just started the morning offering there for us that we pray at the beginning of every show. So that that's one of the prayers you can pray then is the morning offering. What are some of the other prayers you pray throughout the day for the priests? Well, they can just be little things. Like if you're going through some sort of a physical pain or suffering, you can offer that. If you're going through some sort of a desolation in your prayer, which might be a big thing, you can offer that. And 
and like say to the Lord, I'll carry this for the sake of a priest that he can have consolation today. Also, we want to emphasize that our apostolate encourages women to be close to the Virgin Mary because she is the epitome of our role model. And so just like Blessed Mother was the mother of Christ, we try to be mothers to help spiritually nurture all of our priests. All right. Now, I noticed you have a rosary for priests. So that's one thing when, when you say be close to the Blessed Mother and pray throughout the day. We encourage everyone on the show, pray the rosary every day. So spiritual mothers for priests can pray the rosary for priests. Joni, could you tell us a little bit about what makes this different maybe than the rosary I pray every day? So we have a brochure that we came across from Canada, and actually we did put it on our website of different meditations to go with each mystery that prays for a particular need for priests. So we we pray that together, some of us, or you can pray it on your own. You can pray it in the Adoration Chapel. And we also put together a list of priests that we pray for every week. We do 40 names, one for each Hail Mary. In the last decade, we saved for special intentions that we might be aware of, maybe a priest who's dying, who recently died, one who's in the hospital, or maybe just even like a general intercession for reparation in the church now, another thing that we encourage everyone to do is to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and you have here with us a Spiritual Motherhood for the Sanctification of Priests Weekly Holy Hour. What are some of the prayers that you pray in your Weekly Holy Hour? Well, we've come across some beautiful prayers for priests that others have composed, so we, with their permission, we've gotten um, a prayer. We open with a prayer from Opus Bono Sacerdoti that we found online, and um, yes, we encourage everyone to go to our website, and you can see the this entire outline there with all the prayers. There's also a prayer that the angel at Fatima gave to the three shepherd children. This angel appeared to them uh, the year before our Blessed Mother started appearing, but it's a Eucharistic prayer that many people might know, and many other people may never have heard of, but it is uh, encouraging the children and all of us to adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and to make reparation for offenses against him. And, and anyone that listens to this show, I'm going to tell you, you know this prayer because we've played it this week and we played it last week and we played it the week before. So uh, there are lots of great prayers. There's, there's an act of adoration for priests that you have as well. And all of these are available on the website at stlspiritualmotherhoodforpriests.com. I would love to keep talking about this, so let me ask you this question. Can we finish up the show, and then you stick around, and we'll talk more for our podcast listeners about spiritual motherhood for priests? We'd be happy to. Well, let, let's do that, but I think the best way to end this is let's pray together the Eucharistic prayer taught by the angel at Fatima to the children. What a great way to send us to the break here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Most, Most Holy, Holy Trinity, Trinity Father, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit, Spirit I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifference by which he is offended, and through the infinite merit of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Joni Hasser, Gloria Del Rosario, thanks for being with us on the radio today. And for our podcast listeners, or for our radio listeners, go to the podcast, and you can hear the rest of our conversation once that posts. Uh, We want to thank you for being with us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Well, we are having a very special roadmap to heaven on the road. For those of you watching on our YouTube channel, we are here in the Diocese of Springfield, and we're with James Bach, who is a layman studying canon law, which is not something I usually think of when, when I think canon law. I actually think of the bishop of the Diocese of Springfield, Bishop Paprocki, who is a canon lawyer. But James, it's good to have you with us today here on Roadmap to Heaven. Thank you, Adam. Absolutely. All right. Now, we're talking about canon law, and, and we want to start with this. What is canon law? Because when I hear canon, I think of you know these big iron things that shoot cannonballs and you know battles of navies and days of old, uh, days of yore. What, what is canon law? Well, canon law is actually the term we have in the Church for our body of law that regulates us as, as Catholics and our goings and comings sort of as a society uh, in, in time. Um, now, canon law comes, uh, again, kind of geek out here a little bit, but canon law, they tell us, comes from the Greek word canon. The difference is it's spelt with a K instead of a C. But the, the Greek canon was actually a rod or a rule or a measure, so kind of like we have a ruler, is what they called a canon. So my understanding is when they were at work sites, when they're building structures, they had the canon there, um, you know, the saying, measure twice, cut once. Well, the Greeks uh, knew that with the canon. They said, take it to the canon, make sure you measure, and then there you have your measurement and go, go build. And so you can kind of see the importance of that standard, um, in, in both in building but also in law. I love that, and I love as someone who does carpentry, measure twice, cut once, and I'm thinking about life. We get one shot at life here, and I would like to go to heaven. Now, interesting fact that I did not know before today to to ask you about is the final canon in the Code of Canon Law, which is... It is 1752, and so 1752 has to do with moving pastors, but it's very important because it says in there that the supreme law of the Church is the salvation of souls. Okay, so, so when we're talking about the stick... To measure twice and cut once, the, the whole goal of this, and it's not building some great carpentry project, it's the salvation of souls, and I don't want to take any chances. I don't want to make a mistake. So now you're telling me we've got this code of laws in the church to help keep me from making those mistakes by saying, all right, here's the stick which you measure with, uh, make sure your measurements are good. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, now, the other thing, this show, Roadmap to Heaven, we are geared towards growing in holiness, practical things to do to become saints. So when I think of that, I don't necessarily think of law, you know, in in, in canon law. I'm thinking of, well, you know, fasting or prayer or sacraments, and yet all of these things are governed by canon law. So if we talk about fasting, um, we all know Lent. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, days of fasting and abstinence, and then the Fridays of Lent, days of abstinence from meat. 
that's something that every diocese every year puts out. Per the Code of Canon Law, and it numbers the, or names the canons, all Catholics over this age are obligated to abstain from meat on these days and to fast on these days. And that is there. That's the stick, as you were just saying, to help us grow in holiness through our fasting, not just to say, oh, this is a good idea. You might want to think about doing this, but this is a good idea. You need to do this. That's right. Bishop Apraki, who who you've mentioned, is a canon lawyer and also teaches canon law, and he always says that law follows theology. So yes, you have all that good uh, background of theology. You have our Lord that talks about fasting the Gospels, but the Church, to help us, gives us a practical application. The law is a teacher, uh, both as a civil lawyer and in studying canon law. Um, I, I love that idea that the law is the teacher, and so the, the Church doesn't want to just leave it to our own devices. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can go, well, I can convince myself, maybe I don't need to fast today, um, but the Church in, in, in grace and in love says, no, Jim, here's the days you need to do it, here's what you need to do. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I know, because uh, I, I like to joke around that of our kids, at least three of them are probably going to become lawyers because they can argue, well, you know, Dad, technically uh, th- this is going on here. And how often do we try to do that with the faith? Well, I know we're called to do this, but, you know, I could probably come up with a reason to justify it. And there's there's the law that says, no, no there's no wiggle room on this. You have to do this. Um Another area where I think we probably encounter canon law quite a bit, those of us who are married, uh, we had to go through what they call a prenuptial investigation to make sure that we were lawfully able to be married in the church. And then there are all sorts of laws governing the sacrament of marriage. You know, who can be married, uh, where you can get married. You know, we had this debate, do we get married in the church where I was a parishioner, where I worked as the music director, or do we get married in my wife's parish church? The uh, guest list made that one very easy because I worked in a very small church and she was a parishioner in a larger church. We could fit everyone there. Um, But what we couldn't decide was, well, do we get married in the church or do we get married in the park, uh, as you see some people in the secular world do? And why is this? Why does the church care so much about these things, about you know, what, who are we trying to get married, and, and what's our background, and, and now telling us where we can get married, and so on and so forth? And I'm glad you asked that. I think that the church has all of these laws about marriage because she's trying to tell us that marriage isn't very, is very, very important. Part of this comes back again to the theology. Jesus raised natural marriage to the level of a sacrament. I mean, it's not just another institution or contract that you enter into. Our Lord actually said, I'm going to make this one of the seven sacraments. This is a means of grace for you. So as uh, married men in a Catholic marriage, our Lord actually gives us grace, our spouse's grace, from that very marriage itself. So he's, he's transcended marriage. That's number one. And then number two, I think that that marriage we know is the basic building block of society, and that includes also the church. And so marriage is very dear uh, to the heart of the church. In fact, without marriage, without families, the church doesn't exist. Uh, I like to say that priests don't grow out of the ground in a field someplace. We're here in the middle of uh, you know uh, southern Illinois, and uh, there's lots of cornfields and everything around there, but there's no priest fields. Um, religious sisters don't come from uh, an apple grove or a tree grove. They come from moms and dads. They come from families. They come from Catholic families, generally, who start from a very young age to instill those um, practices of the faith. And so so marriage is incredibly important to the church um, and for the, the life of the church. And so obviously it makes sense that then she needs to put those guideposts out there. She has to put those canons, um, those, those guides on, okay, what is a Catholic marriage? What do we mean it's a sacrament? Um, and they regulate that because they want people in the church, even to the, your point of not being on a beach somewhere or a mountainside. Um, they want to show that deep connection between marriage, family, and the life of the faith. 
I love that because sometimes, especially here on the radio and, and on our YouTube channel and whatnot, I get a little uh, verbose and trying to think of what to say, how to be clever, how to make these radio interviews sound good. And well, it, it, it's probably good for everyone that I am, you know, in the vocation that I'm in, because sometimes I like to invent, you know, what are we going to say? And I make it overcomplicated. When we think of sacraments, especially baptism, there's a formula that we are to use for a valid and licit baptism that, that Father says or that the deacon says. And we don't have to make it complicated. As you said earlier, we've got that stick to measure up to. Here's the formula for a valid baptism. And you want to have a baptism? You keep it simple. Use the formula. Well, the church gives us the stick with which to measure what to say. Uh, if only they did that for the radio hosts, right? <laughs> you know, right. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a handy thing? Um, but this has been fascinating. I, now, I could sit here and speak with you about this all day, um, but we do have a morning drive time show, and I know our listeners are probably to their next destination. Um, but I want to thank you, James, for letting us come up here and, and pick your brain about canon law and hear how it helps us to grow in holiness. And what was it you said, the, the last canon, the goal of all of these laws? The supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls. All right, and that's what it's all about. So thanks for tuning in for this uh, segment with James Bach. We're going to take a break here for our radio listeners and for our video listeners. Be sure to click like and subscribe below and check out some of our other videos here from Covenant Network. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Did you lift him up sometime? Gently on your knee, did you sing to him the way mother does to me? Did you ever try telling him stories of the world? And, oh, did he cry? Do you think he cares if, if I tell him things? Just little things that happen. And do angels' wings make a noise? Can he hear me if I speak low? Does he understand me now? Tell me, for you know. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy, and you know the way. On Monday, we were in Peoria for a special broadcast for the birthday of Archbishop Sheen, and we had the chance to sit down and talk with Bishop Louis Tilka about the legacy of Archbishop Sheen. Now, it was a longer conversation, but I do want to share an excerpt of that with you this morning. Bishop Tilka, it's so good to be back here in Thank Peoria you. with you. It's good to have you back here. Yes. Now, one of the things we're very happy to talk about today and excited to talk about is really the, the message and the legacy of mm -hmm. Archbishop Sheen. Monsignor Gray shared with us a, a little bit of his biography and his life. And I think of this, this digital age where mm -hmm. anyone with a computer and a microphone can have a podcast. Sure. Anyone with a computer, a microphone, and a camera can have a YouTube channel sure. and, and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's easy to find a platform. It's difficult to have a message and yet to this day uh, 66 books mm -hmm. that Archbishop Sheen wrote many of those messages still resonate today what are some of those legacies that we should be paying attention to well I, I think first off the the legacy to pay attention to is the fact that here was a man who devoted himself to the Lord and his church uh, and wanted to bring the gospel to others we might use the term encounter today uh, we, we, he wanted people to encounter the love of Jesus in a very powerful way. And that's, that's got to be the primary legacy uh, that we want to hold on to. Um, you know, I, I think the other reality is that uh, when we look at his life, 
um, and the ways in which he presented the gospel, uh, there was just so much uh, richness. Um, you know, I heard as you were talking with Monsignor Gray, you know, he, he was made, made things accessible, relatable. Um, and I think that's really important as well, you know, to be able to relate the gospel to our everyday life, uh, to have it speak to us in our time today. You know, you, you mentioned he wrote 66 books. Uh, I've only read four. <laughs> um, You're two ahead of me. So. <laughs> um, and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not even finished with two of them, but I, I read uh, a little each day. Uh, you know, for, for the first time as bishop in uh, three weeks, I'll ordain priests. Um, and so uh, as part of my preparation, trying to make sure I give a good homily on the day of ordination, I've been reading his book, A Priest Is Not His Own. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just so much great wealth and insight into the life and ministry of a priest in that book. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that struck me is in one of the chapters he writes in them, going to paraphrase, he basically says, you know, that uh, the gospel stays the same, but the way we present the gospel is different. We have to adapt it to each time and trade uh, each time, uh, and 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 the world we live in. And, and I think that's a great legacy to understand as well. Is is that we're still trying to teach those eternal truths, but the manner in which we teach those e- eternal truths have to adapt to the time and the culture uh, and the world we're living in today. Bishop Tilka, we think of the title of his television program, Life is Worth Living, and you and I have been talking about the the legacy of Fulton Sheen. Um, That's one that especially, as we look at our culture here in the United States, uh, you know, we're three years now after uh, all of our lives changing dramatically. But I think even before 2020, when the the world got turned upside down, you could see a lot more despair entering Mm -hmm. into the culture in the United States and... um, that message, life is worth living, uh, that, that was another thought I had driving up. How many times, as someone who believes in the gospel, in the, the hope of the gospel, and the joy of the gospel, do I unintentionally adopt that mindset of life is worth struggling through, <laughs> life, <laughs> life is worth suffering, but, you know, I, I forget that life is worth living. Mm-hmm. And, and what's that message for us? Well, you know, life is a sacred gift from God. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, very... Um, sad to see the reality of the world today in which many people don't understand or appreciate that gift and the sacredness of the gift of life that God gives to us. Um, And especially as we go through uh, our lives and we face many challenges, um, you know, the Lord never promised that our life was going to be easy. He promised he would be there with us. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be our companion and our guide and our helper along the way. Um, and yet, you know, we live in, in a world where, uh, despite the fact that uh, we feel that we or believe that we're much more connected because, you know, our cell phones and our, mm-hmm. our uh, social media accounts and, and the Internet and, and, you know, we, we have information uh, at our fingertips, literally. Um, and and we, f- we can, in a sense, contact anybody in the world instantaneously. Uh, whether or not they respond is another another reality, but we so we feel that we're connected, and yet what we what we experience more and more is how disconnected we are because we don't connect through a device, we connect through a relationship, um, and we need people in our lives uh, to be close to us. Uh, we need our friends, we need our family, uh, we need to know people care about us, um, and that doesn't happen through a text or a tweet. Or an email it only happens when we are really next to somebody physically present to them 
You know, I think of all the different situations that we face and, you know, w w what matters most, right? If we we, we know somebody who, who loses somebody, somebody dies, you know, uh, we are, almost every situation of that, when that happens, people will say, well, I don't know what to say. But what matters is you showed up. Right. You went, to, you went to the wake and you gave the person a hug. And that's all that mattered. It made the biggest difference because we were present to them. Um, not just by, you know, texting, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but to really sit there and be with, with somebody, to sit and share a meal, um, to, to take a walk with somebody, um, to pick up the phone, you know, and, and that's certainly not the best way, but at least to have, hear somebody else's voice as opposed to just reading and trying to interpret how the text came through on our phone. Um, you know, people need to be in relationship and ultimately, the relationship they need to be with is the relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus is not an idea. He's not just some theological premise. He's a person. Right. And he wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. And we need to be in that relationship. I, w I was thinking as you were saying that about uh, rote prayer and, and how much mm -hmm. I love rote prayer because there are times, especially, I, I don't necessarily know the words, and that's a very good thing, but we're called to even a deeper form of mental prayer, and, mm -hmm. and that precisely is that relationship. And I was thinking back to some of the sermons I've watched, some of the homilies I've watched Archbishop Sheen give, and even his television right. program, that that really was, it wasn't an academic exercise. As much as we joke about the chalkboard right. and all of the lessons, it was about leading us to go deeper into relationship and uh well then he yeah. even he even demonstrated that you know he, he invites us you know in his reflections and that about making a holy hour right to just in in front of the blessed sacrament you know i do that every morning i i get up and i i make my cup of coffee and i head to the chapel and um you know i spend most mornings at least an hour in prayer you know and part of it's rote i pray the bravery um you know and and yet a, a good part of it is just mental prayer it's sitting there knowing that the lord is there in front of me in the tabernacle um it's sitting there and and bringing to mind the the things that are weighing on my heart um the decisions i have to make and sometimes it's just sitting there waiting and listening for the lord to speak because he's got an agenda which is much more important than mine um and so taking that time again it's being in that relationship and, and having that encounter to hear the full interview with Bishop Tilka, as well as that full broadcast from Peoria, you can actually check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We have the entire thing there for you. And I, I do say it's worth a listen when you have a chance, so go check out the podcast. In the meantime, we're going to take one last break for you here. We've got Rhett Walker, gospel song for you, as well as the weather in the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Prayer Before a Crucifix Good and sweetest Jesus, before thy face I humbly kneel, and with the greatest fervor of spirit I pray and beseech thee to fix deep in my heart lively sentiments of faith, hope, and charity, true sorrow for my sins, and a firm purpose of amendment, while I consider thy five most precious wounds, having before my eyes the words of David the prophet concerning thee, my Jesus. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have numbered all my bones. We continue to get ready for Mother's Day this week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement by learning about saints who were mothers. Patty, what two saints are in store for us today? Well, today we're going to talk about two very famous and beloved saints, but we often forget that they were mothers. Saint Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, and Saint Monica, 
mother of St. Augustine. So let's talk about them, even though most of us know their story. St. Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, she was considered barren, right? She was barren up until her old age. So when I think of St. Elizabeth, I think of her as a role model for women experiencing infertility who think I'll never be able to have a child. Well, maybe you need to pray to St. Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, or just older first-time mothers, You know, there are some women who have a child later in life. And again, I also think of mothers with very unique children. St. John the Baptist was a unique person. I mean, he went out into the desert. He lived on grasshoppers. He was not your normal kid. And St. Monica as well, if you think about her, she's a role model for mothers of wayward children, and she persevered in her prayer. Think about St. Augustine, not an easy kid to parent, for sure. So I want these women, I want to hold these women up for us as role models for mom who are baffled by the lifestyle or decisions of their children, balancing that fine line with adult children of love and acceptance with care and concern. So notice both of their unique sons, though, were also saints. And I think that's what we often forget. You know, many of us have that child that we want to just pull our hair out about that one child that, you know, we pray and brings us to our knees. But those are the children that became saints for Elizabeth and for Monica. So the message for us is that God has a plan for our children. And we are to be prayer warriors like St. Monica, and I love this part too, accepting of God's timing for all of us, like St. Elizabeth. We have to accept God's timing. So no matter what your kids are eating or how far away they've strayed, here are two saints that are great examples for you as you strive to become a saint today. Well, that is our show on this Thursday morning, May 11th. It is... Been, it has been great to spend the hour with you. And, you know, we have that call today to go pray, to be holy, to become saints. And let's ask God for the grace we need to do his will, especially in our daily ritual actions, those things we do in and out every day, and asking for that help to just grow in relationship with him, to be better at, at whatever God has called us to be in life. We have been preparing for Mother's Day all week, and I want to let you know tomorrow we're going to do something a little different on Roadmap to Heaven in advance of Mother's Day. We've got some moms who will be joining us. So ladies especially, I invite you to tune in tomorrow. The show is for you. Uh, Men, not that you take a day off from growing in holiness. In fact, uh, I'm confident there's some lessons you can learn if you pay attention as well. So tune in for that tomorrow morning here on Covenant Network. In the meantime, let's pray to close out our time together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, mother of the church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, until next time for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You have been listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends. Click like, click subscribe, click follow, Click share, click it all, you know, just don't click dislike. That's the only one we don't want you to click. Uh, And don't forget, as we remind you every day, because the Blessed Mother wants you to be reminded every day, pray your rosary today. Have a great Thursday, everyone.
Well, here we are. It's after the show, and we're still in the studio with Joni Hasser and Gloria Del Rosario. Uh, thank you for sticking around to be with us on the podcast and talk a little bit more about spiritual motherhood for priests this morning. It, it, it's, I'll say it again. It's good to have you with us, and I love all of the prayers that we were talking about earlier on the show. Uh, but what I want to talk about now is a document you brought with you, and it's one that I understand even on the website there's a beautiful reflection from Father Mark Krismer. Is, is that correct on this we, document? We have— recordings of events that we've had on our audio section on our website, and there's two talks he gave, and he has such a beautiful, gentle, rich way of speaking about this document. So I'd encourage anyone who's able to to go and listen to his explanation, which is much better than I could give. (laughs) And, And that document is Eucharistic Adoration for the Sanctification of Priests and Spiritual Maternity. And that's really the basis for this apostolate that you're part of right. here. And if you're just you know saying, oh, i, I got to go back and get that website again, I'm going to give it to you one more time, stlspiritualmotherhoodforpriests.com. Tell us a little bit about how this came together, because I can't imagine you just woke up one day and said, all right, I'm going to build a website, I'm going to put uh, all this out there, and check, it's done, and now next, what's next, God? What do you have for us? Well, I actually was invited to adoration by my daughter after she went on a retreat and I was going every day and I thought, you know, I need to pray for priests. And I started running into seminarians and priests when I'd walk around the seminary in different places. So I was starting to faithfully pray for priests. And one day when I was walking around the seminary, I ran into Father Mark Christmer right before his ordination. And I said, oh, I've been praying for you guys. And he said, you need to look up this document. So I did. And Gloria found it a different way. Yes, well... In my, uh, in my prayer life, I was involved with prayer groups, and I got to meet some young men who were single, and I would hear that they were discerning priesthood. So I became very good friends with two of these men, and our uh, very close prayer group started really praying for them, praying with them. They eventually entered the seminary, and we were praying for them through that seminary until their beautiful ordination, and they ended up being Father... Tim Bannis and Father Roger Fleming, who many of you listeners may know from all their different assignments throughout the diocese, um, two beautiful priests. Unfortunately, Father Bannis has passed away. May he rest in peace. Father Fleming is still with us and going strong. Um, but because of my good friendship with those two priests, then I got to know a lot of seminarians and then I eventually also came across this document and thought, we need to do something about this. But I didn't know what to do. You know, you just think, this is too big. What do I do? And then when Joni and I happened to encounter each other, we already knew each other as acquaintances, but neither of us knew that we both had this on our heart until Bishop um, Rice, I asked him if he knew about the document, and he said, oh, yes, Joni Hasser wants to do, is doing something with that. Well, she hadn't been, but when we saw each other and we said, oh, yes, we know each other. Oh, my goodness, maybe this means it's time to start whatever we're to start. And we just turned to the Holy Spirit and have let the Holy Spirit guide us since then. I, I love those signal graces. I mean, as a kid who grew up watching uh, the old Batman TV show with the bat signal, and like, oh, we need a bat signal. Well, the Holy Spirit is better than bat signal. You get those <laughs> signal graces that come out. So, so what happened next? How did you go from saying we should do this to we need to do something about this? And then, you know, again, the signal graces start pouring in. Bishop Rice says you need to talk to Joni. Joni, what happened after that? Well, I'd been I'd been praying about what I should do, and I knew that I couldn't do it by myself. I'm just I need a partner in things like that. So 
I was going to Mass at Coriovars when Bishop Rice, not Rice, Rivetusa was there, and I talked to him about it, and he said, write a letter to Bishop Rice, vocations director at the time, and the seminary rector and um, someone else. I can't remember who. But I did that. That's how Bishop Rice heard what I was trying to do. And I also got permission to print some of those booklets and brought them to the women's conference and gave them out at a vendor's table, at the vocations vendor's table. So I was trying to do something. When I met Gloria, it was actually when Mary Magdalene's relic was in St. Louis. We met at an event, and some of our friends were there. We went out to lunch, and we started talking, and then we gathered to pray a few times, and we decided to just start praying together. and uh, For discernment. We, for yeah. discernment, how, how to start the apostolate. We knew it required meeting weekly, praying together weekly, and if possible, before the Blessed Sacrament. So those are the minimal requirements. That was for us. Now, if you can't get out and pray before the Blessed Sacrament, you can still be a spiritual mother. But we felt like we needed to do that. So we we met a couple different places, and we settled at St. Clement of Rome. We'd been there. I think we started our meeting in 2013 is when we first started talking about it. So it's been 10 years. Oh, wow. Thanks be to God. So, yeah, praise God for that. Now, let me ask you this question, because one of my favorite things about prayer are the fruits that that prayer brings. And I I was going to say sadly, but I don't know that it's actually sad. One one of the realities is that we pray for so many intentions. And we, you know, like here on the radio, here on the podcast, we pray for our listeners' intentions. We don't always know what those are, but we know that God knows what they are. We don't always know who those listeners are, but we know and we trust that God knows who they are and that our prayers are effective for them. Um, So we don't always get to see the fruit of the prayer in their lives. But the very act of praying for them bears fruit in our lives. So over these past 10 years that you've been engaged in this apostolate of praying for the sanctification of priests, the spiritual mothers for them. What's some of the fruit you've seen in your life? Well, I know for me, it's humility has been a big one. <laughs> Just realizing, you know, this is a huge thing. And I look at myself and I say, I don't think I'm doing this very well, but I just keep trying. I've found in my life and I hear from other people when we're trying to, let's say, fast or do other spiritual disciplines, it's so easy to just kind of give yourself some wiggle room, you know, the fasting, oh, I really, this isn't a good time, or I really want that piece of cake or something. But then when you realize that what you're giving up or what you're enduring with grace and, and, you know, silently in peace instead of uh, getting upset, if you can offer that up for a priest who's having a difficult time, then it makes it so much easier to make that sacrifice. And it's beautiful because you think, okay, the Lord's going to take this, and I can do this for someone else, even if I wouldn't have done it just for my own good. Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. I, I mean, I you, you, you kind of take the words. I don't know what to say next after that, Gloria. That's, that's wonderful. It is beautiful. And so uh, one woman learned about us. Oh, she was a friend, but she didn't know we were doing this, and then she joined. And she said after a while, it just gave her new meaning in life for all the suffering, the physical suffering that she was bearing. She had a, has a physical condition, and it made things so much easier, I guess, in a way. It didn't relieve her of her suffering, but it, it like, sweetens the cross. Wow. 
I love that too. This is just absolutely wonderful. Well, I want to thank you both for coming in to talk with us about spiritual motherhood for the sanctification of priests. And again, everything we've talked about, you can find all of this and more on their website, STL Spiritual Motherhood for Priests.com, or you can can I, can I give the phone number out? Would that be all right? You can call 314-275-0890 for more information as well. Um, go ahead. One last thing. If any women would like to start a prayer group for priests according to our prayers, then you are welcome to contact us. We would be happy to help you try to start something at your parish. It's It can be small. It can be two women starting to pray on a weekly basis. Um, we have a friend who has started some holy hours out at Holy Infant, and it's monthly, the first Sunday of the month and the first Monday of the month, two different times to give options to women. So it's whatever you can do. And then the St. Charles Deanery, um, they meet quarterly at um, four different churches. They, they alternate. So it's whatever you can do, and it all benefits our priests in one way or another. You know, I think immediately... Where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. So even a group of two can uh, start a, a little chapter of the spiritual motherhood for the sanctification of priests. Well, once again, uh, Joni Hasser, Gloria Del Rosario, thanks for being with us, and thanks for sticking around for the podcast today. And that is going to wrap up our podcast, but don't forget to check out the other great podcasts from Covenant Network, such as Lives of the Saints with Tom Shrewsbury or Saint of the Day with Mike Roberts. We've got the Daily Dose of Encouragement for you in podcast format. We've got Debbie Shalaprizi, The Splendor of of you. Um, we've got Church History with Monsignor Witt. Just go type all of those in wherever you get your podcast. Put Covenant Network in there as well, and you'll find it. Or visit us online at ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, follow, whatever it may be. That all helps us out and helps us spread the good word on the internet as well. And uh, on behalf of all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for tuning in today. <laughs>